Hey detective, welcome to the Nancy Drew Rendezvous, a podcast where we take a chronological look at all the books in the Nancy Drew Files series. I'm your host Teagues and today's book is Case 21, Recipe for Murder. Again, no news, I'm batch recording these episodes, so nothing's changed from the hour beforehand when I recorded the last episode. Today's book, Recipe for Murder, came out in March 1988 and it involves a fancy French cooking school. So uh, Google Books has the description down as murder is brewing at a world famous cooking school in Chicago where two chefs turn up dead shortly after Nancy Drew and Ned enroll in a course on a bet. So we're dealing with murder in this book. However, this description is wrong because two chefs don't turn up dead. So I don't know where Google Books got this description from. I guess they didn't read the book. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I'm just sitting here with like a what? The cover is, um, the cover's very blue themed and Nancy's wearing a dress that I actually own, but in grey. So of course she's up front, she's standing to the side, she's got her arms crossed, her hair looks phenomenal, Uh, her blue eyes are really, really piercing in this. Her dress is a blue mid-sleeved dress, I guess. Um, It's got a round neckline and a deep round back line, I guess you would call. I don't know what the back of dresses are called. And in the middle, we've got some very, very smiley looking guy with black hair, brown pants and a tan jacket and a white shirt. And it looks ridiculous, but it's the 80s. So what do you expect? And in the background, we've got Two people in chef's uniforms, one's got a cleaver in his hand, one's got a paring knife, and uh, it's Ned, because I've read the book, (laughs) it's Ned breaking them up. So just a little bit of a note on how I record my episodes. They change sometimes. Uh, Sometimes I will read a chapter and then just do it on the fly. Sometimes I'll read the whole book and I will write notes and script it out. And sometimes I just go on the fly and read the book and then record the podcast while flipping through the book and like making any notes of importance. So you can probably tell what type of episodes is what at the very beginning, like the first 10 episodes, I would say they were all on like me flipping through the book and either recording as I read or finishing the book and then recording. But I always make it sound out that I'm not a hundred percent sure who's responsible for the mysteries. So I just basically want to make it as though I'm reading the book along with you, I guess. I also am unsure about the format of the podcast because it is very spoilery, but I think that Nancy Drew fans are very hardcore fans and that you've all read the books. And if you haven't read this book and you can't get your hands on it, I do a good job of kind of retelling the story. At least I try my best. Um, These books have a lot of detail in them. You'll probably notice that these new episodes are a lot shorter than the original episodes, and it's just because I can't tell every single aspect of the story. I just want to kind of like go over the the big events and have my opinion and thoughts about it and then continue on. And I will leave the details and the scenery descriptions for you to enjoy when you get a chance to read the book. So with this particular book, I wrote the script as I was reading the book, and I think that's the best way to go. I record these intros before I do the rest of the episode. So yes, I've read the book now, but when I start reading through my script, 
uh, I hadn't read the book and I'm actually reading it along with you. So all that being said, there's enough rambling. Let's get straight into it. So the book begins with Nancy, Ned, Bess, George, and some of their school friends in Nancy Drew's backyard, and Ned is cooking up a barbecue. We learned that it's summer, so it's July, and if, you know, these books were in like a proper chronological order, like time-wise, then Nancy hasn't had a mystery for six months or at least three months because it was fall or no, it was winter in the other book. So yeah, providing the last book was at the end of winter, it's about four months since, let's just, yeah, say four months since the last mystery. So Ned's cooking up a storm and the school friends they have over are two guys called Rick Williamson and Ken Hampton. We haven't seen them before in the series and the way things go in these books, I doubt we will see them again. As I was reading this, I was like, oh, I wonder if the Drews have a pool. I don't think I've ever heard it mentioned. I know they have a double garage and a porch, but I'm unsure what else the house has. I know there's a a dining room, a kitchen, Nancy Drew's bedroom, Carson's study, Carson's bedroom. Um, I know there is a back door to the house. I think the back door goes into the kitchen. On the Nancy Drew Facebook page, uh, there's been lots of discussion about what the front of her house looks like. I've always imagined it to be red brick because I swear I saw red brick that it's set far away from the the street. Um, it's got a driveway, big trees at the front and a porch. But I don't know. What do you think the Nancy Drew house looks like? I'd love for you to let me know. I might like put a little post up on Instagram and where we can discuss it and you can share your images. Although like Instagram is not the best place to share images, but We'll figure something out. I might actually just do a blog post about it. Anywho, Ned is bragging about his cooking skills. However, this doesn't last too long because he's burnt the chicken that he was cooking. This is a tragedy because everyone is super, super hungry. They suggest ordering pizza. Okay, we're not even at the end of the first chapter and the kids have already spoken about pizza. I don't know what it is about pizza and Nancy Drew, but these kids love it. I also feel like I should start up a pizza shop in River Heights. I think I'd stay in business thanks to Nancy George and Bess alone. They tease Ned saying that even if he went to a cooking school, he wouldn't be able to cook. Nancy then dares him to go to a cooking school and is shocked when he agrees. Nancy, Bess and George agree to join him at the cooking school. Of course, there's the usual comments about Bess's weight and Bess says that her diet can wait until after she finishes the cooking school. (laughs) Oh, Bess, Bess, Bess. I like in these books that they call Bess Petite and in the old books I hated how George always calls her chubby and makes fun of her weight and that drives me crazy and it makes me hate George so much even though I don't mind George in these new books but leave my poor Bess alone okay leave her alone don't body shame her Bess is perfect the way she is. George had tennis lessons set for the entire summer, but she says that she will hand her lessons off to someone called Matthews, who I can only assume is Jim Matthews, the tennis instructor from Circle of Evil. I guess I have to take back what I said about returning characters because this person seems to be George's boyfriend and he's going to make a return appearance. Well, at least he has made a return appearance. They all decide to enroll in Claude Duprat International Cooking School. 
I really need to practice my French more. So the cooking school is not in River Heights. I'm going to assume that it's in Chicago somewhere because they're all staying in a hotel. Once at the school, they meet Claude Duprat himself. We learn that Nancy and Ned are taking the introduction to French cooking. Bess is doing pastry classes and George is doing Chinese. Of course, Bess is doing the pastry classes. She's got such a sweet tooth. Ned jokes to Nancy asking if she'll learn to cook as fast as she learned to become a detective and Claude questions her about it. Bess starts bragging about how great of a detective Nancy is and Claude goes to ask more questions but gets interrupted as students file into the auditorium for their orientation. George begins his presentation and takes a bite of a pastry and shortly after collapses. Nancy rushes to his aid alongside another man with a German accent whose name tag reads Paul Sislak. I don't know if that's pronounced right, but that's just how I'm going to pronounce it. Correct me if I'm wrong. He tells Nancy that Claude has a weak heart and the ambulance is on his way. Nancy begins to tend to Claude and he starts gasping. After me, please help me. Paul Sislak ushers Nancy away and tells her Chef Dupreux is in good hands. Nancy thinks she sees some glimmer of satisfaction in his eyes. Nancy says she's worried about the chef and Sislek says it's happened before and it will happen again. Nancy has a bad feeling about Sislek and asks Bess to keep an eye on him since he teaches the pastry class. Nancy and Ned attend their class. The teacher is a young American named Trent Richard and he looks and acts like he doesn't want to be there. Turns out he's finishing up his courses at the school and then heading for the big time. So he's got like quite a big ego there. When Trent goes to light the oven, there is a loud bang and flames begin licking his arms. Ned gets the extinguisher and Trent is okay. However, his jacket doesn't have the same fate. Ned told Trent to get away from the oven and he says it's okay, the pilot light is off. Nancy pipes up and says, no, it's on, that's how the fire started. And angrily, Trent brushes past Nancy and says, oh yeah, right. People at this school are R-U-D-E, rude. Why does everyone just rush and leave the class? Ned checks the oven and Trent is right, the pilot light was out. So how did the fire start? Ned sees that Nancy thinks that this is the start of a mystery and Nancy tells him it's been a weird start to the day and something might be going on. The replacement teacher is about Nancy's age, tall, dark and handsome, with a rackish smile and brooding green eyes. I never heard the term rackish before and according to Google, it means having a dashing or jaunty type appearance. Appearance, rather. He appears to be very attractive and Ned starts teasing Nancy for staring. His name is Jacques Bonnet and gets straight into business. What a French name we have there. He teaches them how to make a roux, complete with all the French sayings such as voilà and fini. (laughs) Oh gosh, there's a lot of French in these books I've noticed, like a lot of French, more than I guess... French and Spanish have equal appearances. We haven't come across any other languages in this book. Maybe there was some Russian, but French and Spanish and English seem to be the main languages people speak in this book. After the class, Nancy questions Jacques. He tells her that the oven will be fixed soon and Nancy mentions that Chef Richard wasn't surprised that the incident happened. She starts thinking aloud in front of him and he looks at her properly, liking what he sees, I might add. Ooh la la la. Chemistry, let's hope he doesn't get in the way between Nancy and Ned. He asks her who she is and she says that she's an amateur detective. Nancy really needs to level up to professional, I think. It's long overdue, but Nancy likes being her own boss. 
I don't actually know what the difference between amateur and professional is. I think that professional gets paid for it. So I guess that proves that she's not getting paid for her work, which is a real shame. Nancy can't live off daddy's money forever. Well, I, maybe she can, but and this is just a hobby and she likes it. But still, I think it'd be cool to earn your own money. After a prolonged silence, Jacques tells Nancy to speak to Trent about the incident because he doesn't know anything about it. Ned drags Nancy away. Obviously, he's jealous, but he hides it under the disguise of being careful of who she confides in. I think this is the first time we've seen Ned get actually jealous. Nancy reassures Ned that Jacques is not her type. They all head back to the hotel. Bess and George are waiting for them in the lobby. Bess is in absolute ecstasy over the pastry class and George calls her a hog, as in calling her a pig. That is so rude, George. I'd probably cry if I was Bess. Like, why is George so mean to Bess? I mean, I guess, like, family like to tease each other, but this is just too nasty of George. They discuss their day and Nancy thinks that something is up at the school due to Claude Dupree asking for her to help when he had his attack. Also, Claude was meant to be teaching Ned and Nancy's class. So maybe the oven incident was meant for Claude. So then why was Trent mad? Maybe that's why he was mad because he knew that the incident was meant for Claude and he was mad that he got it instead. So maybe Trent is in on this whole let's get Claude thing. Hmm. Nancy considers that maybe Claude got poisoned and she calls the hospital to check to see what the prognosis was and they tell her it was definitely a heart attack. Maybe there was something in the pastry that triggered the heart attack. Who knows? They have dinner in the hotel cafe and head to bed. Nancy has her own room. Bess and George are sharing. I guess Bess and George couldn't afford their own room. Who knows? In a future book, Case 78, Update on Crime, Bess does mention having a waitressing job, which probably wouldn't pay too much. And like I said before, Nancy's got her dad's money. Okay, that's enough speculation about our girl's finances. Nancy doesn't want to sleep and heads to the hotel pool to sit and think. And on the way, she overhears two men talking. One of the voices is Trent Richards. I want a bigger piece of the pie, he was saying coldly. And don't try any more stunts like that one today. I'll put you out of the way for good. Nancy tries to find out who the other person was to no avail. Seems like Trent is involved in something. What may it be? Also, pie, pastry class, good pun, ghostwriter. Very good work on keeping it into the theme of the book. While trying to make a row again the next day, Jacques, who is still replacing Trent, Richards, who asked for a few days off, embarrasses Ned and flirts with Nancy. Nancy uses this to ask him more information. We learned that Jacques is a guest chef at the school, a personal friend and mentoree of Chef Dupra. We also learned that Paul Slesak is second in charge. So while Chef Dupra is in hospital, Chef Slesak is in charge. He continues to praise Nancy throughout the day and after class, Jacques asks her out for dinner. Well, this dude is really, really interested in her and I guess the French are romantic, so he's, you know, trying to woo Nancy. However, she refuses and tells him that she's going out with friends. All of a sudden, Bess appears and invites Jacques along, much to Ned's disappointment. Ned is super jealous and Nancy tries to reassure him. They head to a fast food restaurant for dinner. Jacques is looking super hot and even a bit dangerous in his washed out black jeans and black shirt and even George is finding him attractive. 
Yep, this guy does seem to be very, very hot. I feel like even I would be attracted to him. Jacques is unhappy he's at a fast food place. I mean, I don't blame him at all. What were the girls thinking? At least they went to a burger and fries place instead of pizza. I mean, that would have really been an insult to the chef. Jacques continues to flirt with Nancy throughout the dinner, says Claude persuaded him to be a chef, and that's all the information we get. We also learn that Claude will be back tomorrow and that it was just a mild heart attack. Nancy wonders if she was worried about nothing. Back at the hotel, Jacques says goodbye to Nancy by lifting up her hand and kissing her palm, which makes Ned furious and Ned goes to punch him. However, Jacques moves quickly out of the way and smugly says, I've dealt with jealous boyfriends before. Ugh, the ego on this guy. He knows he's hot and makes the most of it. Like, I hate those type of guys. Ugh, just ego. Like, there's being confident and then there's being arrogant. Confidence is sexy. Arrogance, not so much. Nancy angrily tells Ned that she needs to understand that she's not interested and to be friendly because she needs information from him and he might be useful to this case, whatever the case actually may be. So far, we don't know. We just know that Chef Dupreux asked for Nancy's help when he had his heart attack. Nancy wakes up early the next day and heads to the coffee shop at 6am where Jacques joins her. He's been up since 5am working out. I wish so badly I was one of those people that could wake up at 5am and start working out, but I'm definitely an exercise after work type of girl. Ned eventually turns up to the breakfast and is very friendly to Jacques. And later on in the day, they successfully make a souffle. Nancy and Ned are actually killing it at this class. And I think I might take some cooking classes once quarantine is over. Anything to get out of the house and socialize with people. Since they finished early, Jacques tells Ned to go downstairs and get some bacon out of the freezer. Ned quickly returns and is white as a sheet. In the freezer, he found Trent Richards dead. Oh my gosh, that would be absolutely terrifying. Actually, is this the first dead body we've seen? Oh, no, there was that dead body that washed up on shore in Hit and Run Holiday, but I don't know if Nancy saw it. However, it's definitely the first dead body for Ned. Nancy rushes to the freezer to look. That's the last thing I would actually do, but I guess there is some sort of morbid curiosity involved. The police are called and it turns out that he was knocked on the head. Nancy tells the police that it may not be an accident as she repeats the conversation that she overheard two nights ago. Uh, The police said that the pie comment might just be because he's a chef, but when Nancy told him about the plead from help from Claude, they said they would look into it. Nancy talks to Chef Dupreux the next day. He denies that he said anything to Nancy. We learn that he doesn't actually own the school. He's just a spokesperson slash face of the company and he's also on the board of directors. When Nancy suggests that Trent's death may have been murder, he gets super angry. And then Nancy asks him again who the they in they are after me are and suggests that it might be sharks. Claude gets angry and that's because Jacques is the one man that Claude can trust. Then he does admit to Nancy that someone has been threatening him and if Trent was in fact murdered, then they made a mistake and that they were really after Claude. Ooh, okay, now this is getting juicy. However, before Nancy can get more information from the chef, Paul Slesak storms in complaining about security and the incidents and the fact that someone stole his recipes. 
Claude tells Paul to get out and then admits to Nancy that Paul probably wants him dead because he wants the school all to himself. Claude then tells Nancy that it wasn't a heart attack and yes, he was poisoned. He asked for the police to keep it a secret as he didn't want the school's reputation jeopardised. Okay, this all makes sense and now we definitely know we have a mystery because there's a murder and there was a murder attempt. He tells Nancy that he's also been threatened before via a letter, but that's gone. He tells Nancy that it was in the jacket he was wearing when he fainted and Nancy figured that would have given Paul a chance to easily have taken it. And last of all, we learn that he was almost ran over with a grey van with a broken tail light. Why does every single car that's evolved in an accident have a broken tail light? It just seems to be a common occurrence in Nancy Drew books. And if it's not a broken tail light, it's a bent fender. I guess they need to have some easily distinguishable features of cars. That afternoon, the crew are lounging around the hotel pool. Nancy notices that she's lost her sunglasses and remembers that she last had them when she goes to visit Claude. However, it's too hot right now to go back to the school and that she will get them later. It's dinner time and they decide on, have a guess, what are these guys having for dinner? If you said pizza, you'd be correct. On the way to get pizza, Nancy and Bess stop by Claude's office to get her sunglasses. However, she doesn't have any luck. However, also while Nancy was looking for her sunglasses in Claude's office, Bess had followed Paul into the school and watched him get a folder of recipes from his desk. Like I've said many times before, Bess is the absolute best sidekick one could have. She's always on the ball and she even notices that Paul was mad and was mumbling something about not being able to trust anyone when he was in his office. Suddenly, a white-robed figure appeared out of nowhere and grabbed Nancy. Nancy realized it's a man, and then he begins to strangle her. Nancy bites him to make him loosen his grip, but it doesn't work. Bess attacks the man, but with no luck. And then suddenly, Ned appears, and Nancy's attacker lets go. Ned and the attacker fight, and Ned gets knocked out with a rock. And then the attacker runs away. Ned getting knocked out twice in two books. The poor guy, maybe he's taking, you know, taking a hit for Nancy instead, giving Nancy's head a poor rest from getting knocked out. They can't find their attacker anywhere and all they know is that he was wearing a chef uniform. They consider it might have been Paul Slesak or someone who had overheard Nancy talking to Chef Dupre. Right now, she doesn't think it's Jacques as he's told her he has no interest in running the school. Before class the next day, Nancy heads to Chef Dupre's office to get her sunglasses. On the way, a newspaper catches her eyes, the headline reading, Cooking School Accident Warrants Investigation, and the article stating, Sources close to the school's head chef, Claude Dupre, suggest that Dupre may be an ineffectual manager. Chef Dupre has also been accused of misappropriating funds needed to maintain the school and upgrade security. And this, of course, triggers Nancy's memory that she's heard these words before, but in typical Nancy style, can't remember where. Oh, Nancy, come on. This is not hard. It was only yesterday. For my detectives at home who may have forgotten, it was Paul who said it when he stormed into Claude's office yesterday. Once Nancy arrives at Chef Dupre's office, he's furious at her and tells her to leave the school before he throws her out. The chef believes that Nancy is the source that gave the newspaper the information. 
Despite claiming her innocence, he's not believing her. Jacques arrives and sides with Nancy, and then Chef Dupre figures the source is Paul because he'd been after the head of the school position since he arrived. Yep, that makes sense. However, because of this article, they are no longer welcome to be the chefs in charge at the Washington dinner, an important dinner for foreign dignitaries. Claude then tells Jacques that he'll do whatever it takes to make sure Jacques is still allowed to attend the dinner. Nancy and Jacques leave and discuss the case. She tells him she thinks that Slesak is the source because he and Claude are also fighting and it because it seems that he wants control of the school. Nancy notices that he didn't seem displeased about taking over as the head chef at the Washington dinner. Hmm. Hmm, I'm thinking that Jacques might be the culprit. It's always the people that we least expect. The next morning, Nancy realizes that she hasn't been focusing on Paul's paranoia about his recipes and decides to focus on that. She makes plans to look at the recipes herself. After class, she sneaks into Chef Slissak's office and lockpicks his drawers. She finds the recipe. It's just pastry recipe followed by pastry recipe. From Bavarian creams to double chocolate torts, nothing looks unusual. She wishes that she had brought her camera to take a photo. I guess in today's age, she would have just snapped it on her cell phone. Would have been super handy back then. Despite looking unusual, something bothers her about the recipes. Then all of a sudden, she notices a man come in and switch on the light. Oh no, Nancy's caught. How on earth will she get out of this one? Especially since Chef Slissak is so paranoid. Thankfully, it's Jacques that catches her. He says if she goes out to dinner with him to Trebon... He won't tell Paul that Nancy was sneaking around his office. Ned will not be happy about this, but you've got to do what you've got to do, and maybe she can get more information out of him. George tells Nancy she'll hand on Ned, and her and Jacques head to a super fancy and private restaurant. Unfortunately, Nancy learns nothing. And Ned is super mad about the dinner, but while Nancy was gone, he followed Paul and learnt that he met with a mad... Ned hadn't seen before and was acting secretive. He tells her he thinks Jacques is dangerous and Nancy considers that maybe Jacques invited her out for dinner to distract her or keep an eye on her. Hmm, yeah, I'm leaning more towards Jacques now as well. In class the following day, Nancy has a near miss with a cast iron pan. It hits her arm and Ned wants to call an ambulance. Yet yesterday when Ned got knocked out, nobody wanted to call an ambulance for him. There is no accident response consistency in Nancy Drew books. After class, Jacques pulls Nancy and Ned aside and tells them that he thinks Claude is causing all the accidents because he wants the school to close, basically to save his reputation because the school's reputation has been slowly declining. Nancy isn't buying that and neither is Ned. She still thinks it's Paul. He has more to gain by taking over the school. Jacques said Claude would never allow it. Jacques doesn't believe that Trent was murdered because the preliminary coroner report said that he fell and hit his head and froze to death. That's a terrible way to die. Nancy wants to talk to Cislac and finds him and Chef Dupre in the butchering room where they are arguing. You will get what you deserve, Cislac spat out. The board will make their decision. Dupre angrily replied, the board will see you for the fake you are. They both pick up knives and threaten each other. We will decide this here and now, Dupre yelled and swung his knife at Slislak's head. So this is the scene from the front of the book. Wow, these two really hate each other and I guess the board really does want Chef Dupre off of it. Nancy and Ned interrupt and stop the fight. Always saving the day, these two. Like they're always at the right place, the right time to save someone from dying or 
you know, Nancy throws herself on someone to get them out of the way of falling bricks like they did in the last book. Jacques appears. He seems to always appear at the right time in the right place and offers to take Chef Dupre home in his car. Jacques goes to get the car and Nancy and Ned speak to Dupre while they wait. My health is failing, so is my reputation, but I cannot bear the thought of pulses like trying to take over my school. What about Jacques Bonnet, Ned asks. He seems to have the right reputation. He is too young, and anyway, he's too restless. He wants much, much more than just one school. After Jacques and Dupre drive off to drive Dupre home, Nancy goes to wait for Cislac again and tells Ned that if he comes with her, they'll get burgers, pizza, or Chinese food after. These kids love their fast food. Suddenly, Jacques appears and Nancy and Ned hide from him. They watch him go into Chef Slislack's office and can barely hear what they say. She does, however, hear the words information, wrong hands, maintenance, and you had no right to steal the recipes. I wonder what this could be all about. Maybe Jacques and Slislack are in this together. Nancy wants to know what the deal is with the recipes because while they looked normal, something was still bothering her about them. I actually really want to know this too. I just cannot figure it out. Why would Jacques steal them? He already is great, according to Dupere. Back at the hotel, Nancy gets stuck in a broken elevator and it starts plummeting 15 floors. Thankfully, the maintenance man was on the ball and could stop the elevator before it started falling too far. He yells at Nancy for ignoring the sign and was confused to why the elevator was actually on. He said it had been off all morning. Nancy told him that she had seen a man running away with the sign just before she got on. It deducts that it couldn't be Cislac or Jacques as they wouldn't have been able to get to the hotel in time. It might have been to pray because we only saw him get into Jacques' car and not actually take him home. So yeah, this adds some more mystery and intrigue to it. Mm, like if it wasn't Cislac and it wasn't to pray or Jacques who could have you know, broken the elevator. There's another person, but I don't remember seeing another person in this book. Trent's dead. Hmm. This really throws a spanner in the works. That evening, Ned and Nancy turn into some type of cat burglars and break into the school. Meanwhile, Bess and George are going to use Bess's flirting skills to try and get into Jacques' hotel room to see if he has the recipes. Back at the school, they get into Jacques' office and they begin their search and find nothing of interest which confuses Nancy. She believes there must be something there, at least his own recipes. They find a secret panel. Oh my god, I love secret panels. I wish I had one. I always loved hiding out in the crawl space in my roof and under my house when I was younger. They just feel so cool and mysterious. In the secret panel are none other than the recipe she saw in Cislac's office. Jacques is the faith. Nancy snaps a photo of them and they begin their, to make their way out only to be caught by Cislac. With Cislac is a heavy set man. I always thought heavy set meant fat, but according to Google it means strong. I guess I learn something new every day. I guess I I swear I say that in every single episode. I guess I learn something new every day. <laughs> but I really, really do. I'm not a huge television or movie watcher. Um, actually, I barely watch anything at all. I watch SVU and a couple of other shows and that's about all. And I think that's why I love reading so much. It opens you up to so many mysterious worlds and worlds that you're not a part of and you learn so many new words and you can use your imagination and it can take you anywhere whereas with tvs and movies it's just there like you're shown the scene you can't use your imagination and I love using my imagination and that's why I love reading I'm sure you will probably agree with me Anyway, Nancy and Ned tell Sislak and the heavyset man that they were just fooling around and they seem to believe her 
They leave and Ned tells Nancy the guy with him is the guy Ned saw Sleeslek with yesterday. So maybe that's the guy who broke the elevator. Maybe that's the guy behind everything. That means Sleeslek would be behind everything. The wheels are turning in my head. Back at the hotel, George and Bess tell Ned and Nancy they had no luck with Jacques. He didn't let them in. Nancy goes to get the film developed the next day. Usually it takes one hour to develop film, but the machine is broken. Nancy is furious but stays polite. They get Chinese food while they wait and George nitpicks the food. She's now an expert after taking a Chinese cooking class. And (laughs) remember when you had to go and get your photos developed? I kind of miss that. It was so exciting. These days it's like snap a photo with your phone or your digital camera and you see it straight away. The photos are still taking a long time and they discuss how all the chefs at the school seem to be egomaniacs, except Jacques who doesn't seem to care about climbing the corporate ladder. Finally at 6pm they get the photos and head back to the hotel to look at them. I have a feeling Nancy's going to notice what was weird about them. Maybe there's a secret code in the ingredients? I honestly have no idea. What do you think, detective? Well, I was right. However, it wasn't Nancy that figured it out. It was Bess. My lovable Bess, you are just too amazing. She's paid attention to the pastry class and realizes that the ratios are all wrong for the recipes. 29 pounds of salt and 7 pounds of butter and that the recipes are made for over 700 people. So it is a code, but what could it mean? Before they have a chance to figure it out, Sislak storms in with a gun. Okay, that really escalated quickly. The heavy set man is with them and he is ordered to tie them up. Seslek thanks Nancy for finding the recipes and demands that she hands over the photos. He takes them and Nancy asks what the hidden code in them means. He denies that there's anything but the heavy set man whose name is Coville's surprised face gives it away. All tied up, they are led out of the hotel and into a van with a broken tail light. The same van, I guess, that tried to run over Claude. Nancy notices that Sislek also has the manila folder that was in the secret compartment in Jacques' office. Nancy tries to find a way to loosen her bounds but has no luck. She realizes that she can hear Sislek and Coville talking and she realizes that the recipes are actually political secrets. Maybe the plan was to spill them at the Washington dinner. All of a sudden the van went flying and the crew realized they were in water and sinking fast. Bess is panicking, we're all going to die, as Ned manages to get out of his bounds and works on getting the others out. Thankfully, they all manage to make it to shore, and we also learn that Bess is a weak swimmer. That doesn't surprise me whatsoever. We've learnt that in many previous books, such as Hit and Run Holiday, that Nancy is a great swimmer, and Ned and George are both very athletic and sporty, and yeah, we don't really hear much of Bess swimming. They swim to shore and realize that they are in a lake that's as big as a sea, but they have no idea where. They drove for what felt like hours. I figure it's Lake Michigan because it's near Chicago and it's absolutely huge and could easily be mistaken for a sea. They all start walking to find a road so they can get rescued and they discuss what Nancy heard. I think that Sislek's private recipes are actually a code for the transfer of political secrets, Nancy says. What? George stares at her. How do you figure that? Sislak and Coville were talking about it. Coville was worried. He talked about getting money for their political secrets. Really, Bess said? What has that got to do with Sislak wanting to run the cooking school? Nancy says that she thinks it's his cover. After all, he's a chef. A cooking school would be the perfect cover. Where does Jacques Bonnet fit into all of this, George put in? I mean, why did he steal the recipes from Sislak? He must have known what was going on. 
He must have, Nancy agreed. I'll have to figure out what he's up to. It's a dawn by the time they find a road. A car pulls over and tells them that they will call the police. They are saved and an APB for Seaslake and Coval is put out. I've watched enough crime shows to know that an APB is an all-points bulletin that goes out to law enforcement to keep an eye out for somebody. So, yay, I know stuff. My fellow detective, do you listen to true crime podcasts? Do you watch crime shows? Are you just a crime fanatic because you've grown up reading Nancy Drew or because you're a Nancy Drew fan? I don't particularly like true crime too much. I used to. I love the psychology behind it and everything, but it's just too depressing and need more positivity in my life. Back safely at the hotel, Nancy goes to bed and thinks to herself that it's July 29th and knows that number is important but can't remember why. Thankfully, she realises the next morning that the recipe called for 29 pounds of salt and 7 pounds of butter and came to the conclusion that it represented today's date. But what is happening today? She must speak to Jacques. However, Jacques is no longer in town. He's headed to Washington, D.C. for the dinner. That dinner being the Washington dinner that Claude is no longer allowed to go to because of the newspaper article. Claude gives Nancy the address of the hotel where the dinner is taking place and I think Claude is also staying there as well. Nancy believes that the political dinner has something to do with the code in the recipes and she jots down as much of the recipe that she can remember and calls Jacques at the Carlisle Hotel. And fun fact, There is actually a hotel called the Carlisle, but instead of being spelled C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E, which it is in the book, it's spelled C-A-R-L-Y-L-E. So that's a little cool, cute play on words. I'm very happy that the ghostwriter did that. I love references to real life things in fiction books. Jacques doesn't answer and Nancy tells Ned that they are heading to Washington, D.C. to get to the bottom of this mystery. Carson Drew, Nancy's father gets in contact with his close friend, Senator Kilpatrick, who we first met in Deadly Doubles to pave the way for Nancy and Ned, uh, whatever that may mean. And then they head to the airport and take a plane to DC. This is the second time that Nancy has been to DC in this series. Again, the first time was in Deadly Doubles when we first met Senator Kilpatrick. They arrive and it turns out that Senator Kilpatrick has given them access to the dinner. I really hope they're dressed for it. Somehow, I don't think Nancy would have packed an outfit sufficient enough for a political dinner in D.C. when she packed to go to the cooking school. Once inside, they look for Jacques, who is surprised to find them, and Nancy fills him in. He simply replies with, Congratulations, you Nancy Drew have learned my secret. What? Okay, what's Jacques' secret? I haven't figured it out yet. Okay, it turns out that... Jacques is working undercover with federal agents to crack open a ring of spies selling international secrets to the highest bidder. He is not a chef. He is also a CIA agent. What? (laughs) Okay, no wonder he was keeping an eye on Nancy, but I never expected this. He fills Nancy in with his side of the story. Turns out that Sislak has networks of people working for him, informants in every country. Some of the people at this dinner tonight are more interested in gathering information against their enemies than promoting peace. You can bet Sislak and Corville will show up here. They've got information to sell. So that's what all the recipes were about, Nancy said. Jacques nodded. 
the proportions and ingredients list important dates and places. For instance, this dinner, but we believe the code also reveals specific information concerning one country or another. In the wrong hands, it could be lethal. Jacques tells Nancy and Ned to stay where they are and that he has it all under control and then leaves. However, Nancy and Ned don't listen and Ned goes to investigate and Nancy heads to another room. Jacques returns and finds Nancy in the ballroom. He fills her in on the rest of the case. We learn that he's been on Sislek for years. He doesn't know who's buying this secret information. We also learn that he used his chef cover to get into important political dinners. He went to Claude's school when his own school was losing its reputation. Trent was killed by Sislek due to blackmail. All the incidents were meant for Claude, the oven, the poison, the elevator, the rack falling. Remember, Claude was supposed to teach the pastry class. Suddenly, Nancy notices bite marks on Jacques' wrist and realizes that they're her bite marks. Jacques was the attacker. He's a double agent. Now she understood what Coville meant by double crossing and Nancy was alone with Jacques and he was dangerous. Waiting for a chance to escape, Jacques opened a door to check what was occurring outside. Nancy took her chance and ran up the stairs. Why do people run upstairs in bad situation? This is like a crazy horror movie. Maybe they're on the ground floor and she's trying to escape, but still, why do people do this? (laughs) Suddenly, Nancy hears a loud bang and the wood splinters off the handrail. Better stop running, Mrs. Drew, Jacques said, or the next bullet's for you. I wonder if he rhymed that on purpose. (laughs) It's quite... Quite comical, actually. (laughs) Kind of like takes the, uh, the seriousness out of the situation. Nancy's not worried. She stays calm. She knows there's FBI agents everywhere. She needs to distract him and keep him talking. How else but by getting him to spill the rest of the story. It turns out that Sislak is working for Jacques, but he got too greedy. He wanted the school so badly, but hurting Claude was ruining the school's reputation in the first place. Suddenly, Ned bursts in and Jacques points the gun at Ned. Nancy screams and tackles Jacques to the ground. She's really one tough lady. And Jacques drops the gun. The feds come in and save the day. All right, I still don't get this story 100%. I guess they were making money selling government secrets and Jacques and Sislak were in this together. Regardless, still an enjoyable mystery. So it's time for the crew to head home. At the airport, Ned jokes that learning to cook is a lot like learning at chess. Nancy says that chess is boring and Ned tells her that's because she's never had Ned to teach her chess and that involves lots of practicings and learning all the moves. And do you know what the first move is? A passionate kiss. Nancy and Ned, you're in public. (laughs) Okay, let's not speculate what the other moves might be. And that was the end. I am sorry for absolutely butchering all the names in this book. No pun intended. Butchering, you know. Okay, sorry. Terrible joke. This is why I'm not a comedian. I rate this book four stars. It was perfectly fine, but I like books that are around River Heights. Um, Chicago-based stories are always kind of boring. Yeah, there was no romance. Like, the cooking was good. I guess we learned a bit about cooking. I wish there was more Bess in it. It was mostly just Nancy and Ned. Yeah, four stars. As for near-death experiences, we had, I'm only counting the ones that happened to Nancy, so it's Nancy getting attacked by the white robe figure, the pot falling on her head, 
the elevator incident and then being threatened with a gun at the end by Jacques. So that brings our total to 52 near-death experiences in 21 books. There was no romance. Uh, George was with her partner, I guess, but he wasn't actually in the book. But I want to know if he comes and appears in the next book because I really like that continuity. And whereas River Heights, well, again, we don't know. They were in Chicago most of the time, but it was good to know that they like use real life locations such as what I can assume to be Lake Michigan um, in the book. That just wraps up this episode. Our next case will be number 22, Fatal Attraction, which involves my love-to-hate character, Brenda Carlton. So stay tuned for that episode. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram handle is Nancy Drew Podcast. If you would like to check out the show notes, you can visit them at nancydrewpodcast.com or email me hello at nancydrewpodcast.com. And if you like the podcast, please leave a five-star review on iTunes because it helps me out heaps. That's all. Thank you. Bye, detective.